0: Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip.
1: Before we jump into the show, I want to let you know that my signature course, Brand Strategy 101, is now open for enrollment inside the Brand Design Masters Academy. This is a foundational course for creative professionals and entrepreneurs who wanna get started with brand strategy so you can sell bigger projects, increase your fees for the creative work you already do, and get paid for the thinking and advice you've probably been given away for free. The moment you enroll, you get immediate lifetime access to seven modules of training with over eight hours of instructional videos, 25 lessons in all, plus 24 downloadable strategy tools and conversation guides. In Brand Strategy 101, I've taken complex strategic methodologies used by the world's most respected global branding agencies and crafted them into a deceptively simple turnkey process and toolkit that you can use with your clients, even if you've never done brand strategy before or don't know where to start. Brand Strategy 101 draws from my 25 years of experience working with clients ranging from entrepreneurs to small to medium-sized businesses all the way up to the Fortune 100. So if you're ready to up your game and bulletproof your career and protect your business from the downward pricing pressure of sites like Fiverr and Upwork, then Brand Strategy 101 is the place to start. Just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll in Brand Strategy 101 today. Again, just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll now. Hey everybody welcome back to the brand design masters podcast i'm your host philip van dusen and today i am super excited because i am here with jessica udinger and jessica is the director of marketing and creative services for killer brownie jessica and i met at the social media marketing world conference in san diego this year and i was totally inspired by her passion for social media marketing and of course brownies that was another draw during her time at killer brownie They've been featured on Good Morning America, Medium, Delish, Forbes, and Jessica has led the company's recent rebrand and increased their social media following by 55,000 across platforms, which is pretty impressive. And Jessica began her career in photojournalism, but eventually moved on to art direction for a specialty retailer and then transitioned into marketing and creative direction on the client side. And so with that, I'd like to welcome Jessica.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: It's going great. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah. I've been such a fan of yours for so long. It's such an honor. I'm so grateful that I nearly ran head into you at Social Media Marketing World. <laughs> but yeah, this is exciting. Such an honor.
1: Cool. Well, as I was saying before I hit record, I don't talk to a lot of people who are on the corporate side in design and marketing. And so I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. And so why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you do for Killer Brownie and Killer Brownie's business?
0: Yeah, so I am blessed with the opportunity to tell all of the stories of Killer Brownie and to share the culture and obviously make amazing artwork with so many different creatives. Our brownies are really beautiful and really delicious, so it makes my job easy. But at the end of the day, I think my team, we're all just a bunch of storytellers and trying to. Connect with people on an emotional level. So, yeah, I think that's a nice umbrella view of what what I do.
1: Well, I have to say, your brownies are intense. I'll just put it that way. You (laughs) sent me some right after I got back from social media marketing world. And I don't know that I've ever eaten a brownie that's more dense. They're very dense and very, there's a lot of caramel involved, but very intense. So, anyone who (laughs) hasn't tried Killer Brownies definitely should. They are an amazing experience. So you mentioned culture. What is Killer Brownie's culture like?
0: Well, we are very loving. It's so funny because I work for this company. And um, a few years ago, we decided to determine our core values and they're love, creativity, tenacity, and joy. And working as a creative, I'm a lifelong creative, working for a company whose core values, two of them are creativity and love. It's just unreal So all those decisions that we make are based in those values and we lean on them hard in the hard times and in the good times but those are definitely I mean in laughter you hear that so much. when you go into the facility, when you're with the team, everybody is laughing so much and I've never worked for a company where there is really genuinely so much joy. but I think it starts with leadership and they have to really live those values in order for it to trickle down. So we're, we're doing everything that we can to make sure that is preserved as we grow because we're growing at an insane rate.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So where are your facilities located?
0: So we just have one. Um, we're in Miamisburg, Ohio. So it's in Dayton, just southwest Ohio. But we're very soon looking to expand, but not exactly sure where yet. But it's, uh, we're going to need to buy another building soon, I think.
1: <laughs> so. Explain a little bit about what you do. What do you do for Killer Brownie? What's your day to day look like?
0: Yeah, my day to day is part creative direction, part strategy. So I work a lot on trying to determine how to find more business brand awareness for the company, get interest from new prospects, inspire our current customers to want more of our products. And we have an interesting setup because we're a B2B, we're wholesale. So, we market to the wholesale buyers, but we also market to the end consumer. So, you think of big companies like Coca Cola, uh, they're a B2B company, but they market heavily to the end consumer. So, we do the same. So, I work a lot on strategy for both sides of that marketing. And then I work really, really closely with my creative team. And we talk a lot every day about all the different pieces of art. I'm sure you're very familiar with uh, that side of things too.
1: So, how do you go about? generating interest, love on your B2C side in terms of establishing or at least fomenting that fan base that's going to then go into the Whole Foods and the Trader Joe's and say, we really need killer brownies on these shelves?
0: Yeah. So we use obviously social media a lot, and we work closely with a lot of influencers and we send out our products to a lot of people every week. And our communications manager is so talented at creating relationships with influencers. And they help spread the good word. And if they love our product, which 99.9% of the time they do, they'll share it with their followers. So we're trying to build relationships with other foodies in the community. And our brownies are very decadent and very different. So they're usually very excited to share something that their audience has never seen before.
1: They are very different. So, what are your primary platforms?
0: So, our main focus is Instagram for end consumer. We also recycle a lot of material over to Facebook, but Instagram takes up all of our time right now. So, we do a lot of that. Very interested in building out TikTok. So, we just need to get in house videographer on our team who's coming on in a few months. And then we're going to start creating a lot of video content as well. But right now, our main focus for the end consumer is Instagram.
1: So one of the things that we talked about at Social Media Marketing World that I wanted to talk about today was that having my having been on the agency as well as the client side, I know that we as creatives and marketers, our biggest challenge many times is Convincing our senior management team is in the value of marketing, of brand development, of establishing the tenets of branding throughout the organization. as well as what's the value of doing an influencer marketing campaign or any particular you know, branding or marketing campaign that we have to prove the ROI of that level of creative, and proving ROI of creative is difficult. So what kind of challenges have you met? in your organization, and I know you're still employed there, so you got to be political about it and everything, and everyone's (laughs) going to be listening to this podcast (laughs) in your company. So what kind of challenges have you met internally, and how do you go about navigating and advocating for what it is that you think is right for the company in terms of branding and marketing?
0: Yeah. So... I will just say that even though I'm sure my boss is going to be listening to this, I'm really blessed to have a boss that values marketing and creative. And it wasn't always that way in my career.
1: Ooh, let's dish on the old companies. You're not there anymore. No, so no. We
0: can do that. <laughs> I still have mentors and people that I respect there. But you know, it, it's tough because in any company, there's so many departments that need resources. And the leadership has to make decisions about where all those resources are going to be divvied out. So I have a lot of compassion for that process. So I think that probably gives me an edge because I don't want to be angry about it. I want to look at that leader and and know this isn't an easy decision. And I know I'm one of many people who are asking you for resources. And it's no different here. Even though my boss has a love for marketing and creative, and we have great chemistry in that way, there's still challenges. We need equipment or we need to hire certain people that...
1: A videographer.
0: Exactly. So one way that I deal with those challenges is I plant seeds and I don't expect to get what I want right away. So I'll talk about it for many months and do pitches and share resources that show the value. And that has worked really well for me. And I think if I can be patient and have compassion, then it takes some of the tension out of those conversations that can be tough for getting resources.
1: So what are Color Brownie's marketing priorities right now in B2C? Is it growing followers? Is it engagement? What's on the top of your radar?
0: Yeah, so our main strategy is driving traffic into the stores of our B2B customers. So we... A lot of educating about where people can buy the products and what products are available in what stores. And we like to promote our B2B partners so that way, as people come to our social media and they see all of our delicious brownies, they can also say, Oh, I know that store that's in my city. And that will hopefully inspire them next time they're out of the grocery store to remember, Oh, they can get our products there.
1: So, let's talk a little bit about your own personal journey. So, you started off as a photojournalist. And so how did you move into art direction and retail?
0: You know, it's so funny because I always say that there's not a lot of difference between marketing and photography at its core. It's all storytelling. And I have always been a photographer. I'm always going to be a photographer ever since I got my first hand-me-down SLR from my grandfather when I was 11. I haven't stopped shooting since. And I first pursued that as a career loved it, did it for seven years. But that industry was starting to, especially print newspapers, was definitely dying. So I lost my job and tried to do a lot of different things in between. Uh, I opened a bookstore for a while, worked at a farmer's market. I started my own photography business, but I didn't know anything about marketing or branding. So I was just kind of shooting arrows in the dark and hoping something worked out. And It was a struggle for about a year. And my wonderful sister was working at this market, this uh, grocery retailer at the time. And she was like, well, I can get you some work here, you know, in the meantime, till you figure things out. And I thought, I'm going to do what I have to do to survive. And I took the job. And thank God I did, because there was a lot of opportunity for creative work in that market. So I actually started out doing the salad bar there while i was trying to get my creative stuff going on the side and i was you know i'd had a professional creative career for 7 years i was so proud of it i really wanted to keep moving down that path but sometimes especially as a creative you have to take other kinds of work so i just looked for opportunity and it took me some time to get the courage up but eventually i saw they had an event and i thought I could shoot this event. They don't have anybody shooting this event. They don't have a professional shooting. I could do this. So I started offering my creative opinion and my skill set to them and eventually was offered full-time creative work with them and did that, built an in-house creative team, had a, a studio there, and it was amazing. It was a such a, an incredible time in my life where I learned a lot. And even in that time, I was learning a lot about the absolute basics of branding. And that's how I came to learn about you was because I Googled what is branding and you came up. <laughs>
1: so That's <yeah>. good. <laughs> I'm happy about that. I know,
0: right? So you were really there at the beginning of that journey for me. And I consumed as many resources as I could to learn about marketing and branding and help that company's brand grow because they had so many beautiful stories to tell. So I was really passionate about that brand. And I stayed there for seven years before I got scooped up by my new boss. And she said, come do marketing for us. And the rest is history.
1: I talk a lot about great creative careers being more like webs than ladders, that they're not always linear. So you went on this photojournalism path, and then your side jog was a salad bar, which I find amazing. There's a lot of creatives that do unrelated things or end up in retail or some sort of corporate environment that teaches them so much and gives them an opportunity that they didn't even know was going to be there. And I think that that's a really great thing to call out. And I'm impressed to hear that that happened to you as well. But I want you to clarify one thing for me, because you were like doing the salad bar in the retail store, and then you took photos at an event. And then you kind of jump to having a team and like doing things for the corporate. So how did you get out of the salad bar responsibility and move into the corporate side? Because that's where a lot of people, I think, don't know how to navigate that.
0: So it was not easy. I will say that I learned a lot about myself through that process, but I so badly wanted a creative career again that I... I knew I had to be flexible with what that looked like, especially up front. So I was willing to take any creative work. And even in the salad bar, I was like, I'm going to make this the most beautiful salad bar in the world. (laughs) So I would do creative things even there. And I think as a creative, you can't help but express beauty and no matter where you're at. So it was like a new art form for me. And it was noticed by people. And there was a conversation that happened with some of the store managers about how they needed someone to start doing these chalkboard signs, which at the time were just like a paint pen writing prices of the strawberries on the signs, maybe drawing a little strawberry. So They said, This person that was doing it now is moving on. Uh, Does anybody know anyone with good handwriting? And my salad bar (laughs) manager at the time was like, Oh, Jessica's creative. So they were like, Do you want to do this sign thing? And I was like, Yeah, like it's creative. I haven't drawn since I was a kid, but I'm going to do my best. So I started kind of doing a little bit of these hand painted signs. But being the photographer that I am, I really wanted to move into that. So I pitched to shoot a food and wine show that the company throws every year and did that. And they started asking me to shoot for their little in-house newsletter that they print. And actually, the first product I ever shot for them was a killer brownie. Um, So it's sister company. Funny.
1: That is so great. How serendipitous.
0: Right. So, I mean, it was... Not easy in the sense, like I'm trying to make sure to give details on how it happened, but it was a lot of self talk and a lot of saying, There is no path here. I don't know if people will accept this. And I'm asking for things that I I don't even know if they value. So I had to gear myself up over and over and over again to pursue the things that I wanted and I thought that they would genuinely benefit from. Over the course of many years, it just kept growing. So one little job led to another job, led to another job, and then more eyes see it and more people want the work. And then over time, the company really embraced the beauty of marketing and branding. So it just kind of snaked out. And I said yes to every request for many years. Can you design this label? Yes. Can you take this photo? Yes. Can you paint this sign? Yes. And then, of course, asking, well, if we want all these things, which they're amazing, let's do it. Maybe I can get some help in this area. and Maybe I can get some help in this area. So that's how we started to grow the, the studio and the creative team.
1: It's a fascinating transition. And I think that what you were talking about in terms of making the salad bar artistic and then the fact that you are now... The marketing director of killer brownie and if anyone has ever looked at killer brownie which they should online they are incredibly artistic brownies i mean they're incredible to look at not for the least part eating <laughs> i mean they're amazing so who would have known that going into retail and food would have led down the marketing path and you would be able to leverage that love of aesthetics in a completely different food category but that it would take you to, you know, kind of down an entirely different path. And one that I think this is important to recognize that you can have a career in and that you can make money and you can, you know, support yourself in a completely different vertical.
0: I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is that there are paths everywhere that are undefined. Mm-hmm. And and I like to look at life and, and career as it's a big playground. and And we're all kind of just, make believe and and building things out of nothing. And as creatives, that's some of the best things that we do is creating something out of nothing. So why not try to do that with your career as well?
1: And that's something that I try to impress upon creative professionals who are starting off is that there are entire industries that they know nothing about. For instance, when I was running the graphic design department at Old Navy, I was running everything that had graphics on it that was product. So CAD textile design, t-shirts, our t-shirt business was a million a year business, graphic t shirts, huge. But when I would interview people, people don't come out of art school wanting to be a t shirt designer. They want to be a graphic designer, branding person, you know, an illustrator. And so no one really knew that this massive industry existed. And so when I would have to advertise for new designers, I wouldn't advertise for graphic designers because then I'd get type and stripe people and who would do banner ads and They didn't have the aesthetic of an artist and so i would advertise for illustrators and illustrators would come in with their illustration portfolios and i'd interview them and tell them about what we did there and they would say i had no idea this even existed you mean i can make 80k a year doing my illustrations of kitties and puppies and you know and you're going to print them and put them on hundreds of thousands of t-shirts that are going to sell in old navy stores and i'm like yes their eyes would light up. They would have no concept that that industry even existed. And there's industries like that all over the place. Like who would have known when you were coming out of being a photojournalist that there was this incredible branding opportunity waiting for you at a brownie company. Like you never would have put that together. I don't know that I don't know that you would have never. I find that just fascinating. And that's one of the things that I totally love about the creative industries, that there are so many different pathways that we have no concept of a lot of times. For sure. So we met at Social Media Marketing World, and there was a whole lot of stuff talked about there. And one of the reasons why I go there is to kind of find out what's you know, the, the happening trend in marketing and social media. And also because, you know, I do YouTube and podcasts and blah, 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 blah. And I like to meet the people that do similar things. One of the things that was talked about a lot, and I'd love to know your perspective on it out there this time, was Web 3.0, which is kind of like the marriage of crypto and NFTs and like the whole new kind of landscape that the web is kind of slowly turning into. What impressed you out there in social media marketing? When you went home, you said, wow, that one thing I learned about our presentation I saw really impressed me. What was it that hit you over the head out there?
0: So it was definitely all of the content about Web3 and crypto, which I didn't expect going in that there would be such a focus on it, social media marketing world. But I have this last year become invested in crypto and bought some NFTs. I'm very much a novice when it comes to Web3 and crypto, but it was really exciting to see how many people were talking about the benefits that it could have for businesses and specifically creatives. So I was a believer before, but after leaving, I really believe it's the future and am excited to see where that goes. But man, there were so many good speakers and so many good presentations. And I'm blanking on her name right now, but she's big glasses. She was a keynote speaker.
1: Yeah. Tamsen.
0: Yeah. So her keynote was incredible and about how she was very shy initially. And she made herself into this amazing speaker.
1: Webster. Webster Tamsen. I think that's her name.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Right. I loved seeing her keynote as well.
1: This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit byol.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's byol.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're gonna be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptop's courses. So let's talk about the development of your personal brand. When you are in your role, you have to establish a certain presence For yourself in your job, in order to be recognized for what you do, but also for the level of expertise that you're bringing to the company. How do you go about establishing your own personal brand, both internally inside of Killer Brownie as well as externally? Are you doing anything on the outside, a website, portfolio, social media, where you are developing a presence or a voice for yourself outside of the company where you're working?
0: yeah, so I am not doing much outside of the company, and meeting you at social media marketing world has made me just think about it again and again, like, oh,
1: I'm an earworm know. in a lot of people's lives <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally. I have like on my calendar, like do a personal branding workshop because I've done branding workshops with companies before to help pull out their brand messages and have like a focused aesthetic and, I've never done that for myself, but you are making me want to start soon. <laughs> but you know, I have a presence on LinkedIn. Right now, it's sort of all by accident, but internally, I would say it's very similar. I am who I am and I'm always trying to do better. So the things that I say and do come very naturally to me, and they're not necessarily focused the same way that a brand would be, but I still think it's important. To establish that for each individual, especially as a leader, because then you have in high emotional situations you have these pillars to lean on and to know and to make decisions on. So I have those personally. I know what my values are and uh, what my pillars are. So I lean on those, and it has worked. But it's all sort of by accident. Which you know, as a brand leader, that's like you don't ever want that for a company. <laughs> so. <laughs> Like, that's why I know I so need to do think it. Think right
1: about that, Jessica. <laughs> yes, planful and intentional, right?
0: Uh, yes.
1: So, what are you planning for the future at Killer Brownie? What's on the horizon for you?
0: For me personally, at Killer Brownie, I mean, I'm such a creature of change. So, I always see my career growing and changing. I'm trying to think how to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so because, like, we do at our company, we have this amazing program called GPS. It's Guided Personal Session. And every year you sit down with your boss, which my boss is the president. So, and you talk about the path that you want to take with your career. So, at my company, I'm at the top of my career. But in my head, I think as we grow, there's so much more opportunity. So I envision myself moving more into marketing strategy and hiring a creative director that I would work closely with to manage the creative team, even though I know there will always be a part of me that wants to work with that team because I'm a creative and that's my baby. But I do envision moving more and more towards strategy and slowly letting go of the creative side and and having a creative director that I really trust. So as far as Killer Brownie goes, it's just like with my career. In a company, there's so many different paths to success and trying to find ways to stay fresh and do new things that excite not only our customers, but also our teams and our employees is an important part of building any company. So, I mean, we've talked about having storefronts, franchising. We have new products that we are always trying to launch. I'm like not sure if I can talk about any of those, but definitely expanding our footprint in the United States and through Canada and Mexico, hoping to get over to Europe um in the next few years. So I mean, my goal for Killer Brownie is to make us the the Coca-Cola of brownies. I want to be a household name and everybody to enjoy this product because it is such a special treat. And I really, I'm a firm, passionate believer in the product. And I've never had anything else like it in my life. And it brings people joy. And even before I worked for this company or our sister company, I knew this brand. I knew because they, I knew the product because people talked about it and they would bring it to weddings and birthdays and it had a cult following locally. So I want to help spread that everywhere.
1: <laughs> awesome. It's been amazing talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm so glad that I met you out at Social Media Marketing World. I know that we'll be fast friends forever. Yes. On your LinkedIn profile, you have this thing that says you have a recreational obsession with psychology. I want to know what that means. <laughs> what is that?
0: I can't tell you how many times in my life I have almost jumped ship from my career to go become a psychologist or a researcher. Okay. So I, it's definitely my second calling. All the books that I read are about psychology. I'm Brene Brown's number one fan. So I love psychology. And that's a huge part of marketing and, mm-hmm. and creative is understanding how people are moved and what they're made of. So I consume more content about psychology than I do literally anything else.
1: I know someone who's a close colleague of mine who used to be SVP at Wells Fargo in marketing. And she was exposed to a lot of consumer research over her career because as a marketer, you do consumer research. And over her career, she transitioned and became an expert in user research and now does consulting for lots of tech companies out in California. And she is recognized by LinkedIn as being one of the 10 major influencers on LinkedIn recently. And she made this huge pivot like super late in her career from being an executive in marketing to being a user research expert because of psychology and because she loved digging into how people make decisions and what makes them tick. And I just thought that was really fascinating. I just thought I'd bring that up. Total sidebar, but you never know. It could happen to you. It could be in your next pivot.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Maybe that'll be my first book.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's got to be a killer brownie psychology.
0: Something yeah. Like oh, that. <laughs> sure. I would love to do that research.
1: <laughs> okay. So I do this thing at the end of my podcast called the rapid fire round, which is 10 questions. Here we go. You ready?
0: Okay. I think.
1: What's your spirit animal? Peacock. Morning person or night person?
0: Night out forever.
1: Okay. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Dog person or cat person?
0: Definitely dog person.
1: (laughs) What's your secret talent that most people don't know you can do?
0: Oh man, that's a tough one. Oh, I can do really crazy yoga arm balances, which is really fun to bust out when I'm kind of tipsy at parties. Yeah. That's always fun. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I love that. Okay. Favorite song of all time?
0: Um, Judas by Depeche Mode.
1: Okay. Favorite place in the world?
0: Siena, Italy.
1: What's the one thing you would love to master?
0: Hmm. The first thing that came to mind was loving, Hmm. being good at loving.
1: I love that. Who's your hero?
0: I would say my dad. (laughs) I really have so much love and respect for him. So without going into a huge tangent on how much I love my dad, he's definitely my hero.
1: What's the one thing you would tell your 20-year-old self?
0: Keep going. Just keep Mm. going. Just keep trying. Don't ever stop trying.
1: I love it. And finally, do you have a personal mantra or a manifesto that you try to live your life by?
0: Yes. One of my favorite quotes is, my strength lies in my tenacity. So I believe that success in anything is inevitable if you just keep trying and remain flexible. So I'd say that.
1: Awesome. So Jessica, if people want to connect with you, what's the best place to do that?
0: Yeah. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on there every day, have a lot of conversations there. So I would love to connect with anybody on LinkedIn. Jessica Ettinger.
1: Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. This has been a really fun conversation.
0: Yay. Thank you so much for having me.
1: If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E thanks again for listening. Bye for
0: now.